0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Health Affairs This Week, the podcast where health affairs editors go beyond the headlines to explore health policy in depth. I'm Kathleen Haddad. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we devote today's episode to mental health care policy. With us to discuss the current mental health crisis and policy solutions is Dr. Tom Insull, former director of the National Institute of Mental Health and a national leader in mental health research, policy, and technology. Last year, Dr. Insel published a book, Healing, Our Path from Mental Illness to Mental Health. Welcome, Tom.
1: Kathleen, a real pleasure to be with you. I can't wait to bring this topic to the Health Affairs podcast.
0: Well, let's get going. Unfortunately, I'm starting with some grim statistics. A Gallup poll of 5,000 Americans that was published just this week showed a 50% increase over the past decade in the rate of Americans ever diagnosed with depression. In 2015, 20% said yes, and in 2023, nearly a third of the population reported having a depression diagnosis at some time. So Tom, in your book, you discuss serious problems in our mental health care system. There is little accountability for quality in contrast to care for other illnesses. Effective care can be astronomically expensive and inaccessible to most people. The focus is on short-term stabilization with drugs rather than long-term recovery. And many people who need mental health care end up in the justice system or on the streets. Where do we even start to fix this system? Well, it is fixable.
1: I think the most important thing to recognize is that the solutions are really hiding in plain sight. When I was in training almost 50 years ago, the idea that a patient with schizophrenia would become homeless or be incarcerated was kind of unthinkable. Um, And yet today it's become the default. It's become almost inevitable. Uh, It doesn't have to be this way. This has been one of those areas of healthcare that nobody has really wanted. It's kind of what I call the hot potato of healthcare. So it was for many years, the domain of state institutions, the state mental health system, which was state hospitals. Until 1963, uh, President Kennedy, in announcing the Community Mental Health Act, where he said, people should no longer be alien to our affections or separate from our communities, and so established this national system of community mental health clinics which was not entirely successful. 1980 comes and President Reagan says, why are we in the business of providing healthcare as a federal government? That's not our job, that's up to the states. So he canceled out uh, the funding for uh, the community mental health system. Um, And the states had long since left. So there's just been no money. At the same time that, you know, in that same period around the 1980s, there was this huge interest in building out jails and prisons. And so the jails and prisons, the criminal justice system became the new institutions for people with serious mental illness. And today, uh, on any given night, you'll find about 360,000 people with mental illness in a jail or prison and about 35,000 in a state institution or a public institution that is um, providing psychiatric care. So it's it's an extraordinary moment where uh, kind of unimaginable for diabetes, hypertension, pulmonary disease, any other part of medicine where we would say, well, let's leave this one up to the criminal justice system. And it's okay that 10 times more people with this brain illness are behind bars than um in our beds. And that's where we sit in
0: 2023. So so now that we're in this period, um, we, we know our mental health as a society is poor. We have these serious problems with people not getting care they need, especially those you just mentioned. The Biden administration has been throwing money at the problem and it, it paid attention to it. They've increased funding for community mental health centers, school wellness clinics, suicide prevention, boosting the mental health care workforce, and many other components are, are part of that program. What do you make of these efforts and what else is needed?
1: The first thing to say about those is that almost nobody knows about it. and And I don't understand why the federal government, and it's not just the Biden administration, it's been a bipartisan effort in Congress like that safer the bipartisan safer communities act from june of 2022 which is probably the most significant investment in mental health care from the federal government since 1963 yet i haven't seen anyone writing or talking about this it's an extraordinary moment when the federal government has said for the first time since 63 in 60 years it said hey this is up to us. Um, States have dropped the ball. We're going to figure out a better way. Americans deserve better than incarceration if they have a serious brain illness like schizophrenia. And what they've done is very reminiscent of what Kennedy was talking about in 63. They've created a federally funded national system called the Certified Community Behavioral Health Centers, CCBHCs, which will provide whole person care for those with serious mental illness or substance use disorder in the community. So this is really significant, really important. Now, to be clear, this program was already going in a pilot fashion in a grant developed way through SAMHSA uh, with some demonstration projects. And so we have some pretty good proof points that this is effective and in eight states was really making a difference, so much so that in some states like Oklahoma, it's been adopted beyond the pilot to be the state mental health system. So it's it's really, I think, very promising. Here's my concern, Kathleen. We need to make sure that this new effort is both integrated with other things going on. So all of the psychosocial rehabilitative services that are available in the community And furthermore, that it's not just a series of of 400 or 500 clinics that we actually begin to think about doing what we've done so well in cancer, building a national network a learning health system. So this becomes a coherent system of care. What we don't have yet is a commitment to a, a national system of care, a coherent system. The FQHCs have done a little bit better on that. And I think ultimately that could happen for the CCBHCs. They will now be moving more into the CMS world. Now's the opportunity to rethink the program and to actually put the kinds of bones together that we will need if we really want this to work so that we bend the curve for morbidity and mortality. And um, the need is there. It's urgent.
0: So, President Biden, if you're listening, we need a mental health moonshot. (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, so we do. And the good news is that it's already, the pieces are there. We actually know what works.
1: We've actually now, if I'm, if I'm reading it right, it looks like that there's a $9 billion plan here mm-hmm. from, um, the appropriators to say, this is how much money we're going to put into the CCBHC program. That alone, just that, that's a big deal. Right. Now, now there are lots of other things that we will need a moonshot around. So youth mental health is a big, big issue. Um, substance use disorder, still a massive uh, crisis. So it's not just the serious mental illness problem. But I bring that up because we've already got this commitment from Congress, from this administration. CMS is going to be taking this on. This is a big deal. Now we've got to see the execution.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I worked uh, for CMS kind of in a postdoc situation, and I, um, I'm wondering how you envision CMS turning this into a kind of accountable care situation. Well,
1: they do need to think about a sort of value-based model, right? They need to be in this space, particularly for serious mental illness. We're going to need to move to a world in which We are starting to pay for outcomes. And those outcomes aren't going to be just symptom outcomes. We're going to have to be looking at all of those issues that I talk about as recovery issues. Um, And a simple way for me to map it is what I call the three Ps, people, place, and purpose. Are the interventions that we're providing giving people the social support, the environment they need, like housing And and a purpose, you know, whether that's work or family, whatever it happens to be. Now we've got to really lay out that plan and figure out how do you move payments to actually support the things that work. And here's the cool thing, Kathleen, is we know what works. We just have to begin to support it. We do in other areas, like in other parts of medicine, we pay for stuff that gives us good outcomes. Here, we haven't been doing that, and we're going to have to make that shift.
0: So you talk about the role of CMS in coordinating and making this happen, inspiring this new mental health care system. What is the role of schools, employers, other institutions in working with CMS? The U.S. Surgeon General issued a report recently, several several advisories on um, mental health uh, in the workforce. Youth mental health crises and um, and and most recently, one on loneliness in society. How can these social institutions become integrated in the general solution? We're
1: doing some experiments on that in California. and if you the, or Governor Gavin Newsom likes to say that we're America's coming attraction, I don't know if that's true, but but we do things here often before others pick them up and and he's made this extraordinary investment in um, child and youth behavioral health. It's a $4.7 billion commitment. So it's a serious effort. Um, And if you look at what's in that, it's right to the question you're asking, Kathleen. It's saying, look, uh, the traditional healthcare system, the clinics, the hospitals, uh, they, the private offices, it's just not going to do the job that we need. For one thing, it's ep- it's episodic, it's reactive, it's downstream. If we really want to make the impact that we need, we've got to get upstream. we've got we've got to look at youth mental health. we've got to be in schools or we've got to even be dealing with uh, preschools. And so what this um, huge investment is about is literally shifting the center of gravity of our mental health care system for for youth into the school system. Now it's not asking teachers to become social workers. It's not asking even school counselors to become mental health counselors. It's creating a whole new workforce uh, that we will train up that will be part of the community. These are people from the community and we have the advantage here of having a very um, diverse community um, college system which provides us with a fantastic talent pool we have uh, a lot of advantages to do this in California, but also a huge number of needs because we have, in some ways, more poverty uh, than almost any other state in certain pockets. So what we're trying to do is to say, if we really want to make a difference, let's figure out a way to, um, A, provide every child with the sort of basics of, that they'll need for resilience, for mental health, for what we, we like to call future-proofing. So that they get the skills they need to manage emotional states, um, and they get the kind of mental fitness that they're—you know—we used to talk about for physical fitness. So that's just like part of what happens in the in our education system. But beyond that, it's also screening for kids who are really having difficulty, and then making sure you've got a whole army of people who are there um, to both tie them to to care when it's necessary to work with families to provide. Some of the basics. One of the great things we learned about mental health, it's a little different than cardiovascular surgery. In the mental health space, sometimes coaches, sometimes family members, sometimes grandmothers can be very, very powerful uh, therapists, can be really the tip of the spear for what you want to provide. Not everybody has to have um, a number of degrees after their name to be helpful, mm-hmm. and so creating that army uh, of people who can work in the school system, work in the community—that's uh, what we're hoping to do with this big investment in California. And you know, it's still early days. We'll have to see if it plays out. But it's a good example of where the rest of the nation could learn about what works and, and maybe what doesn't, but hopefully, what begins to really make a difference because um, we're making an investment early on before there is a crisis. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, that um, uh, sounds so promising and and hopeful. So we'll have to leave it there on a note of hope. Um, Thank you, Tom, so much for joining us. I want to uh, remind our listeners to take a look at health affairs coverage of mental health care, including a Forefront article out today on integrating mental health into primary care. Please leave us a review and if you like the show, please tell a friend and subscribe to Health Affairs This Week, wherever you get your podcasts.